You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Daniel Marcos. He is a Scaling Up coach. He is a long-standing member of the Scaling Up community. I think those of you that have been following me and following the podcast, we talk a lot about the Scaling Up folks. And and one of the things I love about Scaling Up is the community of coaches. And Daniel is uh, another Scaling Up coach. And he has a book coming out. We're going to talk a little bit about the work that he does and how he's come across some of the insights that he's had working with lots of different CEOs and founders and why write the book and what he's hoping to achieve with that. And we're going to dig into the the topic. It's an interesting one. I think it's one that's it's often neglected by a lot of companies, a lot of founders, a lot of CEOs. I'm excited to have this chat with that. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Super excited to be here. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you. So, so why don't we do a little bit of just kind of background for those people that don't know you um, and uh, kind of how you got into coaching, what your story was, the scaling of community, and then we can dig into the book and the, and the work that you're doing with founders and CEOs at this point. Perfect. I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur for 23 years. Originally from Mexico, I was born in Monterrey, Mexico, raised in Mexico City. And my first job out of college was working for the Mexican consulate in Hong Kong. When uh, when England gave Hong Kong back to China, uh, there was a lot of events and stuff. So I was hired for those two years, the year after and the year before. And it was amazing. But interestingly, while I was there, I was reading all these magazines of all these uh, young internet millionaires in Silicon Valley. <laughs> that was uh, 1998. I was there in 1997, 1998, and I said, I need to be an entrepreneur, and I need to go back to my country to be an entrepreneur. So I went back to Mexico. I knew a little bit about finance, because during college, I worked for a brokerage house. I was a trader on the floor, Got it. Trade the trader's desk. So I knew something about finance, and uh, I went and built the first fintech company in Mexico. Uh, indeed, interestingly, I was the first person to put stock quotes of the Mexican market online. Uh, and news. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, that was 22 years ago. <laughs> and by the way, interestingly, I have a I have an internet company today that we're growing really fast, but one of my employees, he's one of, it's a millennial, she's in 27 or 28. Uh-huh. And recently she asked, hey, why are you so famous? Why did all of this start it? Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, because we put the first news and quotes online. And she looked at me and said like, why is that important? <laughs> and, and I was like, because before you watch your news, in the 7 a.m. news, radio, or, or show, yeah. and then at 7 p.m., right? If something happened at 2 p.m. in the other part of the world, you will never hear it until the night. Yeah. And she looked at me like weird and said, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like she didn't get it that today we get news like like 24 hours so every funny. minute. That is so true. And, yeah. and, and she looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, we raised millions of dollars and we make this really big company uh-huh. just by putting stock quotes online. Yeah. So that's how we all started. 
we got very lucky. We merged with an Argentinian company and a Brazilian company, and we raised like $70 million uh, from Goldman, JP, and all the big boys in New York and built the second biggest internet company in Latin America back in the internet time in the 2000s. And we end up selling it to Banco Santander, uh, the biggest Spanish bank. I think it's the 13th bank in the world. And we sold it with 1,200 employees, three banks, five brokerage houses, and and a really, really big operation. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. After that, then I did a mortgage bank in Austin. I moved to the U.S. I did a mortgage bank, and I got destroyed in 2007 uh, with, with all the subprime. Uh, and I said 2007 because really people don't realize that the subprime went under 2007, a year before the prime market went under. And I really believe, by the way, we're in the similar situation today between COVID and the next. So I got completely killed and destroyed in 2007. I ended up closing 2007 before all the the big crash, but we knew it was going to happen. It was it was impossible yeah, not to happen. Incredible. Yeah. And then after that, uh, Vern called me. Vern was my coach uh, with my first company. Uh, I went through his program of birthing of giants and the rest. And he called me and said, hey, you sh- what are you doing now? You should coach. And I was like, no way. I don't trust myself to be an entrepreneur again. <laughs> and you want me to coach someone else? And he said, that's precisely why. You went through such a hard process. They have to make sure it does happen again. And and uh, let me just give a little bit of a pause, but I I had probably six months of my life. I was depressed, waking up, crying at the middle of the night and sweating cold. It was a really rough patch in my life. And Vern helped me go through it. And then I started coaching and figure out that I could really help companies doing that. I used Kelly God methodology and then starting doing other things. And I've been a coach for the last uh, 13 years now. And then the last thing of the story, uh, eight years ago, I went to Vern after going through Singularity University. And I said, Vern, we need to bring all coaching online. And I begin like pushing him to go online with scaling up. And he said, yeah, 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 we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then after, a year after, he called me and said, I'm never going to do it. You want to do it? And I was like, fine, let's do it. So I, I partnered with Vern to start Growth Institute eight years ago. And uh, today we've served over 50,000 executives from 10,000 different companies in 68 countries around the world. Yeah, yeah, those are great numbers. So it's, it's, been, yeah. it's been a good growth. I always find, you know, every every entrepreneur I've talked to has their horror story, and, and invariably it ends up, at some point, they end up on an air mattress in their office. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, for some period of time, it just it seems like everyone's got their air mattress story. So you know, I, I, was, have mine. I was already married, uh, but I lost oh, yeah. all my assets, had a million dollars in oh, debt, yeah. almost got oh, yeah. divorced. It was, it was rough. It was very, very yeah. rough. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it, it's it's part of the process. It's you part, know, part of, the, of the journey. Yeah, and by the way, if you ask me what happened after, I become a way more disciplined entrepreneur. It's like you can't imagine how disciplined I am today compared to before. Oh yeah, no, I I think kind of going through business cycles, you know, uh, you know, business business challenges and having children. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Things that teach you exactly how much free time you had in your life before, <laughs> and all the things you can do better to manage your time and energy and focus. Yes. Like, I feel so totally so jealous. I've I've learned the most, and I've gone through the biggest transformation in my life after going under with my company. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's all learning. It's all learning, and and I think if you can if you can take that and figure out what the learning is and what the new ways of doing things are and, and what the new questions are and stuff, it it actually it, it makes you an amazing coach. I think that's one of the things. Certainly, 
I think the most insightful conversations I've had with leaders that I coach certainly come from talking about dark hours and, and challenges and you know the things that didn't go so well and what we learned from it and uh, how to transfer some of that knowledge. Yeah, I, I honor that. Good. So tell us about the book. How did you how did you come across the kind of the idea behind the book? Tell us the story. I always find that there's a there's always a backstory to people, you know, writing books. So what's yours? So for me, it's like you. Uh, I've been coaching CEOs for many years using the scaling up methodology, and and I I work with them a lot building systems and procedures so they could really take their company to the next level and capture all the knowledge and everything and just make it to work in a more efficient way. And I begin helping them with all their systems, their accounting system and production system and everything. And then I begin asking, hey, and now show me your CEO system. How do you lead the company? How do you take decisions? How do you communicate the decisions? How do you track all of that? And they look at me like I was out of space. Like they have no idea what I was asking. And I begin realizing all the habits and systems, the best CEOs that I've coached do regularly. And they all start having a pattern, certain flow. And I figure out that there are certain things that the best CEOs do. So I've been learning from a lot of the clients that I work with and now through the Growth Institute, a lot of the people that have gone through our programs. And I really believe there's a system to help you be a better leader, be a better CEO. So I'm putting all of that together into a model that I call Impact X. And that's how the best CEOs give 10 times the impact with half the drama. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, and what, when we talk about CEOs, who are we talking about? I mean, there, are these, you know, early stage companies, later stage mid-market companies? I mean, what's, when you talk about a CEO and a system that a CEO needs, when does this apply? And, and I, I focus more in what I call stage two and stage three. And by the way, in the, I will ask if you could put on the description of the podcast, there's going to be a link that people could download some slides so yeah, they could you know, follow what, what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah, um, no, we'll make sure the link gets in the show notes so people can click on them. I believe companies' scale-ups go through four stages. Stage number one is kind of the start of phase, one to five employees. Stage number two, it's the six to 15. And then stage number three is around 15 to 70 to 100 employees. And then after that, stage four. And I really focus on stage two and three. And, and let, me, let me give a couple of important things on stage two and three. So I believe the best balance for revenue and lifestyle for the entrepreneur is stage two. You stay with a team, 10 to 12 people, that is very easy to manage. And why that's a maximum number? That's a maximum number of people that they could kind of report to you directly. You probably have a manager that two or three report to them, but you have a personal relationship with everyone up to 12, 15. After that, you cannot have a personal relationship with everyone. And they have to build very different systems and procedures to run your company. So I work a lot with entrepreneurs to stay on stage two, but be way more profitable than on the average and be able to have a better quality of life. And then stage three on how to really go through stage three correctly so you could go to stage four. So when you go to stage two, I help you decide if you want and it's worth it for you to go to stage three. And I advise most of our entrepreneurs do not go to stage three because stage three, all your margins, all your quality of life and everything goes through the waste. <laughs> Yeah. until you get to stage four. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the problem is that people jump to stage three believing that every dollar of revenue is going to be easier, and it's not. Remember, Vern always teaches this valleys of death slide. Yeah. You go through a valley of death that you hate it. You start losing money or not making enough money or money as you were making before. You have to invest heavily in certain infrastructure and stuff. And if you don't know you're going through there, it's really, really painful and very uncomfortable. Imagine you're a human being and you're going through puberty whenever you're a teenager, right? 
if you know that that's just a stage and then you're going to be a grown man or a grown woman, you understand that, you see it psychological or, or philosophically, yeah. and then you go through it, right? Yeah. But whenever you're there, if you believe that's a, your new reality, you hate it. Yeah. And a lot of entrepreneurs want to come back. Indeed, I gave this uh, presentation uh, over a month ago uh, with a group of entrepreneurs. And like half hour later, I got this text by uh, a very, very big entrepreneur in England. And the guy said, Daniel, you just explained what happened to me in the last five years of my life. He said, five years ago, I had 225 employees. I was miserable. I was losing a lot of money. And I really hated my life. So I imploded my business. And I just made it much, much smaller. Today, I have 16 employees. I do 7 million in revenue. But I net three and a half million every year. And I'm as happy as hell today. (laughs) But but he did not realize and did not did the steps he needed to do to really become a stage four. He had the size of a stage four, but without the systems and procedures. And he was miserable. So I'm trying to give entrepreneurs and CEOs kind of a black and white process of what happens in all the stages so they could take decisions correctly and they know why. Yeah, I refer to it as swimming the underwater cavern. <laughs> That's correct. Right? And if you're not, if you're not prepared, if you haven't taken enough oxygen, you're not prepared to kind of get to the other side. You don't want to get stuck halfway. Getting stuck halfway is painful and miserable, and and you got to know how long it is, right? Like if it's a thirty foot cavern, like you got to be prepared to swim thirty feet underwater, right? If you're not prepared to do that yet, then you shouldn't. And try. because they don't know. Yeah. They, they just gone go 10 minutes and they say, I'm going to die and they die. come back. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the worst of both worlds. Cause now you've spent the money. You've, you've, you know, tried to invest on the scaling. You've, you suffered the cost, but you haven't gained any of the benefits because you've now pulled back your previous position. So that's exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the systems? Like when we talk about sort of the system for CEO, I mean, you mentioned decision-making, you mentioned direct reports. I mean, what goes into, or what is the system process? What does the system take care of? So first, you have to divide the process in three. And I believe there's there's certain steps. Step number one is working on you as the leader. And I, I always said, scaling a company, it's like being on a plane. You have to put the oxygen mask first. Uh, and I've seen a lot of CEOs that go to stage two or three, and they're giving and giving and giving, and their life, it's a disaster. And if your life's a disaster, you will not be able to lead a company. So really start protecting your systems, your your space, and your personal life. If your personal life, if you're having problems with your spouse, with your kids, you don't have enough money to for you to live your life, then you're going to sabotage the growth of your company. So I really believe you have to work on you first. Then you have to yeah. build a strong team. People say, no, I want to build a great company. I believe for you to build a great company, you first have to build a great team. And the team is going to build a great company. At the Growth Institute, we always said, if you want to grow your company 10x, you first have to grow your team 10x, and not in size. It's in, in quality, mentality, mindset, and the rest. So we give you a lot of tools for you to grow a great team. And I interview a lot of the cli- a lot of employees of my clients, and they always tell me, I need to admire my boss. I need to admire my leader for me to want to be led by them. So we really believe you have to work a lot on building a great team, attracting the right talent, building a culture that they work well with each other and they enjoy working there, aligning them and the rest. And then the stage or the step number three is really building a big company or a great company. And that's all about everything you teach, uh, Bruce, to your clients, systems, procedures, data, dashboards, and the rest. Yeah. So I really believe it has to be three things that you have to do in each stage. So at the end of the book, we're giving this chart, let's say, of 48 things 
because there's there's 12 things per stage and then there's four stages. And what we have found with the clients that we've worked implementing this, even though there is stage three or four, they missed and they skipped certain things from stage one and stage two, and that brings all the drama. So we help <laughs> yeah. them to go back and fix things from stage one or two to be able to have less drama on stage three and four. Do these always build or are there things that when you're in one stage, you need to do it this way, but when you're in the next stage, you need to do it really different and you need to kind of give up that or you, you need to change the way you do something or is this, do they stack as you build on each stage? So they stack and we usually find that because they skip something, what they have today is not complete. So we usually say, if you go back and you fix it, then usually that's going to give you the the clarity to be able to fix this. And it's it's very interesting. Whenever I get hired as a coach, they tell me, hey, I hire you for you to go and fix the guys below. And I was like, you don't get it. All the drama below, are, are it's a reflection of what's happening on the top. Exactly. So the same happens on the stages. When you're on stage three and you're trying to fix something on stage three, you're most likely going to have to come and clean stage two before you build stage three correctly. Yeah, yeah. And what are what are some of the things, like give us some examples of some of the things that are in these stages or, or ones that typically are problematic or people typically get wrong? So as I said, there's there's 12 things. So let me, let me walk you on, focus on you. There's yeah. four things you have to work on you. First, operate at a higher mindset. We believe, and, and this is something we learned from Einstein. Einstein used to say, if you create a problem at the same level of mindset that you are today, you won't be able to fix it because yeah. that's why you created it. You have to elevate your mindset, your knowledge, so you're able to fix it. So really working on the leader for them to elevate their mindset consistently. Then find and scale your tribe. And we believe the CEO needs to have their own tribe. And it's not their employees. It's mentors, are other EOs or CEOs around you, EO, YP, all these CEO groups, mentors, investors, this tribe that is not just your team. And you need to have a balance between your team and this external network. And you know, being an EO member like me for many years, the forum just, it's hugely uh, valuable to yeah. a, an entrepreneur when we feel very lonely at the top and we're having all these personal issues. So we believe the tribe is important. Number three, it's your freedom. And we've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs that we become slaves of our company. So we help the entrepreneur protect their freedom and have their own habits and, and structure in their, or, or rhythms in their life so they could protect their freedom and don't become a slave of their own company. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then the fourth one is their legacy. We believe that the best entrepreneurs, in stage number one, they're just talking about survival, right? How can I survive? And as they're going up in the company, they start thinking about how can I use my power to help someone else and really start helping them define their legacy, how they have, they want to do their legacy and how they want that legacy to impact the world. So we help them with that, those four things. Yes. Well, and what is the challenging one do you find? I mean, if you, if you look at an entrepreneur as a CEO's ability to execute on those, where does he or she typically get caught up or, or where are the, the challenges in being able to do that well? So we believe if you do the four things right, you start getting like, like a virtual circle or cycle and going up. But where we see most of the mistakes, it's on the tribe. You believe you're the only one going through the problems yeah. that you're having yeah. and you isolate yourself instead of looking for help, right? Because you're ashamed of the problems that you're having, you try to stay on your own corner and it becomes really, really lonely. And then the freedom. You believe that the more that you give to your company and your team, the yeah. better it's going to be. And sometimes they give too much and that creates a lot of issues on their personal life. And then those problems in their personal life impact negatively on the company. And I've, I've seen from 
the employees of my clients, they say, you can't imagine how much we adore and respect our boss, but we see he's having all these problems in their life, him or her, because he's giving too much to us. We want them to have a successful life. And that's part of of the balance. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of, where they get the biggest problems or mistakes. Yeah, I definitely see this kind of sacrifice mentality. Like I need to, I correct. need to give up all these things in order to have a successful company. And that's correct. in fact, I think it's and actually that the ends opposite. bad for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, then number two, uh, or or folks on the team, yeah. we believe the team has four things. First, build and lead a team. You have to really focus in in, in believing and understanding that the better you build a team, the better team players that you bring to your company the more your company is going to grow. And we've worked with a lot of CEOs that they believe they're like like Robin Hood, right? They're like the, the best guy or the <laughs> Superman. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that's great for stage one and stage two. But if you really want to build a company to stage three and four, you have to figure out how to get the best uh, in your company, helping you achieve your dream and making the dream being part of their dream. That's number one. Number two, it's culture. And we really believe it has to be culture by design. And we help them kind of understand what's the right culture for them and how to build a culture that will build a company that people will operate like they're in front of him or her when they're not in front of him or her. Yeah. Then three is growing their capabilities. Now that they're part of your team, it's your responsibility to grow them and really understand how to do team development and, and grow them as leaders. And uh, I believe that the more you grow them, the more they're going to grow your company. So really understanding, and we've you and I have heard this, well, if I grow them, they're going to leave. And I was like, yeah, if you have a toxic culture and bad environment, yes, they're going to leave. But if you have an amazing team, an amazing culture, if you grow them, they're going to be even more motivated of growing your company. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the fourth thing is what scaling up is all about, all the execution part of scaling up is all about aligning the effort. You're a brother rate team members. You have a great a, a culture. You're growing them. Now you have to align them to work better as a team. And how do you, does this, um, I guess, how do you diagnose, kind of assess these things and, and what's the process? Are you working on multiple ones at the same time? Do you pick one at a time and focus on it for, you know, for a period? What's, what's your kind of implementation strategy? So the way I do it today, and I do it one by one, we're building all of this so we could help more companies going through the process. Usually try to focus in what are the weaknesses of that entrepreneur. And imagine you go to a doctor and say, hey, doctor, give me the most potent medicine. And I imagine you, you've got this question a, a lot of times. Hey, recommend me what's the best book I need to read. And it's like going to a doctor and give me the most, the strongest medicine. No, the doctor has to ask all these questions to understand where you seek off to give you the right medicine. So usually we come with this grid of 48 things. And based on implementing scaling up and working with the CEO and the team, we begin identifying where are these where are the biggest weaknesses based on these 48 things. And then we understand that based on their stage and start working in whatever will give them the most value at that moment. Yeah. And I like that kind of depends on the situation they're in and what's going to help help the best or what's the constraint that they're facing and, and which one to focus on. That's correct. And how long is this you know, is this something it takes a couple of months, takes a couple of years? Is this for forever? I mean, what's what's your experience in terms of, you know, CEOs that that have figured out these systems, how long have they taken to kind of develop a high performance system to to help them with these things? So they usually take them around a quarter or two, three months to get it. And it takes them two to three years to build it. Yeah. You know how even implementing scaling up and all these methodologies. On the first quarter, they're gonna have dashboards 
with numbers, but half of the numbers are going to be wrong, and yeah, they have yeah. no idea, no experience how to read them and take decisions based on them. Yeah, I always tell them, hey, implementing scaling up takes me a quarter, but for the system to melt to cook, for you guys to really be able to get all the value, it takes around a year. Yeah, Same thing happens with this. You can understand your issues, start working on them, building a plan, but it starts melding and really adding value two, three years after that. Yeah. So you mentioned this whole kind of decision point that, that CEOs, founder CEOs have to make at some point of whether you go into phase three to ultimately get to phase four. I mean, what are some of the questions or what are the things that you look at or, or conversations that you have with leaders to help them decide, you know, are they ready to go into stage three? Do they really want to go into stage three? Give us a little insight on that conversation. So I believe there's two very important decisions that you have to take regarding selling your company and all that. So one is when you're on stage two, if you want to stay as a lifestyle business and really create the systems and procedures for you to get maximum cash flow and having a big lifestyle, right? Be able to go two months on vacation and things like that. That's the first decision. If you really want to build an asset that is sellable or you want to generate or keep a company that generates cash flow. And that's a decision you have to take on stage two. And then whenever you go after stage three, whenever you're doing around 10 to 15 million in revenue, two things interestingly happen. First is there's a lot of buyers out there to buy your company and the valuation of your firm goes to a different level. A company doing 5 million compared to a company doing 10 million, the valuation just doubles, not just because you're doing 10, it doubles because the uh, drama of the company and the likability of the company being successful without the founder, it's 10 times better. So the amount of buyers after you're doing 10 or 15 million multiplies in quantity and valuation. And then you have to decide if you really want to take it to the next level. And here's why it's very difficult. Whenever you're doing 10 to 15 million, if you sell it at that point, you get what we call your freedom point. You get enough cash for you to retire the rest of your life. And we see a lot of CEOs saying, hey, I'm doing 10 million now. I could probably get a check of 10 million. If I just invested in bonds or something very easy, I'm done the rest of my life. So if you still want to scale it, you're going in in a stage where we call stage uh, risk on that, yes, you could take it above 10 million, that you probably don't need more than 10 million to live a great life. So you're putting at risk all that 10 million or that security to try to get 10, 20, 50, or 100 million more. But the risk is way higher. Yeah, I like the equation or I like the acknowledgement that sort of this diminishing return, right? After some point, you know, an additional dollar of personal revenue, personal income is, you know, diminishes, right? Like, like there's only so much you can do by you know, places That's you correct. can go. So, so is it really worth risking, you know, that what you have now to get another 10? Because the second 10 is not going to be nearly as beneficial and to impactful, you. impactful, exactly. Hey, I'm going to give you 10 today. What are you going to do with your life, right? And yeah. you could describe your life. And then I say, if I give you 20, would you change too much of what you said yeah. first? Yeah. No, you change very little. Like, I'm not going to buy a plane. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to buy a $5 million boat. Like, that's not me. So my life will change very little between 10 and 20. Will it change a lot between 10 and 100? Yes. But the risk I'm going to have to put over the first 10 to get to 100 is really, really high. Yeah, That's, a, I believe, the second big decision you have to take in your business. So tell us, where where can we find information on the book? If we want to learn more about you, what's the best place to get that information? So Growth Institute is my company. If you Google me in all social media, I'm in most social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and the rest. Growth Institute, that's where I publish most of my content. And the link that we're going to put here uh, is going to give you a lot of slides so you could kind of walk through what I shared. 
And that's the basic of the book. And whenever the book's available, that should be around the summer, end of the summer, uh, we'll send you an email saying the book's available so you could go on and get it in Amazon or or download some videos or something about it. Perfect. Yeah, I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes so people can click through, get the slides, uh, and then they get notified when you're, when the book is launched and available. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's really been a pleasure. True pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.